Good morning to our loyal WFYL listeners around the world. Welcome back to your Philadelphia Friday, only on Fox News Radio. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in once again, because you still have the right to hear and the right to be heard. We're here with you on 1180 AM and broadcasting real time at 1180WFYL.com. Coming to you straight from the birthplace of liberty here in the greater Philadelphia area. And we continue to fight day in and day out as your voice of freedom in the Delaware Valley. I'm attorney Mike Giramita from Giramita Law Offices, but everybody knows me as Mike G. And you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. And you can listen to our program every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. So let's be heard. Philly Chris, we've had a busy week for gun rights in this country, haven't we? Sure have, Michael. You know, we've got a, a couple of serious lawsuits going on, one right on the back of the other. We got gun owners of America coming on in to sue for the right and license to carry situation. And I've got a very special guest who's on to join us in this discussion. We've got Dr. Val Fennell from Gun Owners of America, a repeat offender on this program. Dr. Val, are you with us? That's right here. Uh, Mike, thanks for having me on the show again. Really appreciate it. Oh, it is always a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us. So, Dr. Val, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what this lawsuit is all about? Well, for any number of reasons, which include the higher demand and the record number of um, firearm sales that we've experienced um, and coronavirus restrictions, we have seen a delay delays across the state of uh, issuing licenses to carry firearms from uh, sheriff's departments. And in the case of the city of the first class, which is Philadelphia, um, the Philadelphia Police Department gun permit unit. Um, the delays can be quite significant. In the case of Philadelphia, it is now taking over a year to receive an appointment to apply for your uh, license to carry firearms. So we have um, uh, two plaintiffs in our case against the city of Philadelphia. We have 10 plaintiffs in the case, and uh, the two of them are actually waiting till they, they got an initial appointment for January of 2022. And we were approached by some some people and said, this is ridiculous. I can't get a, uh, a license to carry firearms to, uh, to defend myself and defend my family. And as you know, Mike, in the city of Philadelphia, you cannot carry openly or concealed without a license to carry firearms. So these folks can, uh, cannot walk out the door of their house or apartment to ensure the safety of themselves and their families because of these um, ridiculous delays in the city of Philadelphia. So, uh, so Gun Owners of America has uh, put forward this lawsuit and with the, uh, along with the 10 plaintiffs, and we filed it a couple of days ago. And so we're, um, you know, we're ready to go. And uh, we bring this up uh, not only just for Philadelphia, but we hope that this case will also ha send a message across the state to other places 
that have uh, delays for concealed carry um, or LTCFs, as we call them in Pennsylvania, LTCFs. So, for example, um, in Allegheny County in the, the Pittsburgh area, uh, the wait is March of 2021. And um, wow, gun, yes, it's huge. It's 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 crazy, and uh, and and it's not everywhere. I mean, um, I moved from Pittsburgh to York County, and I got a new my license was expiring, and uh, I went to. Um, uh, York County did it right. They made, went to a uh, mail-in process. And so you just mail in your application and it takes about uh, two weeks. Of course, they've got 45 days and they called me on the phone and said, come on in and pick it up. And that was it. Uh, well, that, so, that's something um, very important that you just mentioned there though, just as a, a mm-hmm. backdrop for our listeners who might not know this under Pennsylvania law, the issuing authority, which is typically the sheriff, as you've mentioned, or in the city, the first class, mm-hmm. the chief of police, they've got up to 45 days to either approve or deny that license. Now, Philadelphia has always been notorious for taking 45 business days, which I, I'm not quite sure that's legal in the first place. They've always done it, though. Yeah. So the, the end run, they know they've only got 45 days to either approve or deny that license. So they're trying to get around this by saying, OK, we've got our 45 days to approve or deny. But you can't submit your application. You can't even apply without an appointment. And your appointment is in 2022. So they're trying to get around this restriction on time. Obviously, the intent of the legislature is to have this work expediently and for have to have people not have to wait a year, two years, or even a couple of months, according to the statute, to exercise their rights. Isn't that so? That, well, that's exactly right, Mike, and I'm glad you brought that up. And um, I, I, I said this, if they can delay receiving the application, then they can del- really, in theory, they could delay it indefinitely. And um, a right delayed is a right denied. Uh, and the intent of the legislature is very clear. They, you drop an application off, which should take no time at all. Either, you know, in this COVID era, you mail it in or you could um, drop it off. Or in, in pre-COVID era, draw, uh, go right to right to the sheriff, go right to the uh, the gun permit unit after your first appointment. Right, that's a two point a two appointment process in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which is another problem. You know, they they have uh, extra requirements than the rest of the state. But but clearly, the intent is to get back to your point is that there uh, there's an application and and you should be able to drop an application off immediately, and the, the clock starts ticking once it goes in. And what Philadelphia wants to do is not start the clock until you until you have that initial appointment and drop your application off. And if they can delay it, if they can delay it one day, two days, three days, whatever, then in my opinion, they could d- delay it indefinitely. And this cannot be allowed to continue. Uh, we have to bring them back in line to the intent of the law where the application is accepted immediately and you and the, and the clock starts ticking 45 days. You know, I'm not sure how they thought they could even get away with this. Did they honestly think that nobody was going to do anything about it? Is that the issue? Did they think, okay, well, we're in charge and we're going to do this and nobody's going to do anything about it? Well, as you know, uh, Philadelphia has a longstanding history of antagonism against uh, firearms rights, and that's continued right through the current administration with Mayor, with Mayor Kenny, and uh, they violated the firearms preemption law in the past, just as Pittsburgh has recently done it. Um, and, you know, GOA, we have been really um, on top of this whole LTCF delay process right from the start. 
of the coronavirus pandemic. If you roll the clock back to March, um, sheriff's offices all across this country, of this state, decided that they were not going to um, they were going to close and not not issue LTCFs. They weren't going to take any applications. Well, we got wind of that, and uh, GOA sent a letter to every sheriff's department in in this in this state, and uh, and also uh, you know we did a and we did we did a press release and. We actually did a statewide alert to all of our members and supporters to contact their local county sheriff to say that this is unacceptable. You're violating our constitutional rights. Uh, and um, immediately, there were uh, the example I can think of off the top of my head is Westmoreland County. Westmoreland County um, was quoted in the local newspaper. Well, wow, we got a lot of blowback on this. And they started uh, processing LTCFs immediately. Um, <clears throat> and then I was in discussions with uh, Sheriff Mullen in Allegheny County, who has been to his credit, very cooperative and trying his best to, to get things done there, uh, has actually started mobile um, LTCF processing units to go across the county to try to clear the try to clear the backlog. And even in that case, there are delays to March of 2021. So, you know, this is a statutory and constitutional right that's being delayed. And if it's being delayed, it's being denied. And that's just not acceptable. You know, with, and with the riots that are going around, uh, uh, going on across the country, and then particularly in a place like Philadelphia, you've seen a spike in murders and violent crime. Uh, you know, it's a, why are law-abiding citizens being denied the right to defend themselves? You know, they have to make a choice. And, um, you know, and, they, and it should be easy. The choice should be, I drop my application off. And within 45 days, I get my LTCF not waiting a year or two and putting their, the, the lives of their families and themselves at risk. Believe me, the criminals don't care and yeah. they're going to carry no matter what. You better believe it. And just a little bit of background for what you were talking about with cities of the first class. Um, there's only one city of the first class in Pennsylvania, and that's Philadelphia. So when they write legislation for cities of the first class, it's essentially referring to Philadelphia. Now, they can't write a specific law through the General Assembly that only applies to a particular municipality because that would be against the law. They don't have the lawful authority to do that. Um, but they can certainly make it for all cities of the first class, which includes a Category 1 in Philadelphia. And what Dr. Val right. was referring to is that, generally speaking, you need a license to carry firearms or fall under exemption to have your handgun concealed or in your vehicle. Uh, what that typically leaves outside of that scope is open carry on foot, right? Open carry on foot, not falling into that. But there is another old law that says you can't carry in any city of the first class unless you've got a license to carry firearms or fall under exemption. So with any right. city of the first class, right, all one, <laughs> all right. one of them leaves us Philadelphia. And, you know, if people don't have that license to carry firearms or fall under exemption, then, uh, you know, they're, they're not able to leave their front door with that firearm, without that license or exemption. So that's uh, a it, very important part of it, isn't it? It's an extremely important part of it. And during any declared state of emergency, that's another that one. also applies statewide. So, um, but, and a lot of people don't know this, but before the COVID emergency orders signed by um, Governor Wolf, we were under an opioid state of emergency. And technically, <laughs> King Governor you, Wolf. They, carry... you call him King on this program. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. His, his Majesty. His Majesty. <laughs> From the edicts of His Majesty. 
<laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So he, um, you know, so any of these edicts from his majesty that put us under a state of emergency, um, you know, it, it triggers in the, um, I think in the emergency powers act that you cannot carry a firearm openly in a state of emergency without a license to carry a license to carry. It's firearms. actually in the so, uniform firearms act. So basically there's an yeah. old law that says you can't carry on the public streets during a state of emergency, unless you got a license to carry firearms fall under exemption. And there's another exemption for if you're actively defending life or limb. So basically if you were already in your home and you were having a gunfight with the bad guys and it spilled out onto the streets, then you'd, you'd be exempt under that law. But that's a, that's another excellent point that they, they put in that state of emergency based on the opioids epidemic in a time that nobody considered a traditional emergency. It's not like there were any wildfires right. or hurricanes or anything of that nature, right? Yes, ex exactly. But what COVID has done is it has shown a spotlight on, on this problem uh, because now it's, it was clear from all the restrictions the government's put into place and everyone started looking at things. It's like now we have, um, we have riots. Uh, we have uncertainty. We have prisoners released from prison and a surge in firearms uh, purchases, new firearms purchases. We had record sales in Pennsylvania between July 1st and, se and, and September 30th. The previous record was first quarter of 2013 because of obviously re-election of, of uh, Barack Obama. So, um, you know, but so this is like even uh, a higher level yet. And, and so uh, these new gun buyers, cannot apply, cannot get an LTCF, and it's absolutely positively required for them to have one to either carry concealed or openly during a state of emergency. Right. So uh, the entire state's like Philadelphia now under a state of emergency, and we have been, um, legislatively, we have been trying to fix this. Uh, we have a bill that's on third reading, and that means it's almost ready to pass in the state, um, state Senate, House Bill 1747, that would eliminate this requirement for a license to carry firearms during a state of emergency and also eliminate the governor's ability to um, to regulate firearms during a state of emergency. That's the, that's like the first easy fix. Now, he may veto it. His majesty may veto it. It may be, uh, <laughs> a, you know, it's uh, not fitting for the for peasants to uh, be able to defend themselves. In, in that's the realm. right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. So. Uh, that, that, that's possible. But, you know, we do the right thing. We pass the bill, we send it to his desk, and we push hard. The other fix, Mike, that absolutely positively has to be made, and, again, another spotlight is on this, is we have to have constitutional carry statewide. You know, um, and, you know as, long, it's, it's, as long as you're not a ne'er-do-well and you're not a prohibited person, you should not be prohibited from carrying a firearm, you know, openly or concealed in this commonwealth to protect yourself and your family and in those and in our constitutional carry bill that we have, it also has a, a provision for permitting. So, in, so in other words, if you want reciprocity with another state, then you can still voluntarily go through the process, get your uh, get your LTCF, so that you can have reciprocity with other states. But that said, anybody who's in this Commonwealth lawfully can carry a firearm under constitutional carry without going through this process. So, so um, I think long term we've got to fix this legislatively. We got to, we got to first if we can get through um, House Bill 1747 now, and hopefully the governor sign it. Well, slim chance that it may be, and then really push hard for constitutional carry. I mean, that's what's going to, that's really going to fix this because uh, otherwise, um, these rogue cities, the city of the first class, and I'm from the area from the city of the second class. 
which really sticks in my craw is, <laughs> is Pittsburgh, right? So, uh, you know, and, and, and both of our, those are the problem children in the state, right? The first and second class. Right. And, uh, and they're always trying to violate our constitutional rights. So that, so this is a great, this is a great check on, on the system. Um, and again, not so much in Allegheny County that we have not experienced that like it, like, like the gun permit unit in Philadelphia, but regardless Right. Uniform across the state. We should we should have constitutional carry so that if we're in a state of emergency, we have our Second Amendment rights. We have Article One, Section Twenty One rights in the Pennsylvania Constitution, and we should be able to exercise them without asking the government for permission first. That's All the right. point. You, <laughs> you agree? They said they they sell us back our rights in the form of licensure, right? You know, That's we had current. Right. We had Colonel Frank Ryan on this program talking about constitutional carry uh, a while back after he co-sponsored that bill. That was an uh, uh, excellent guest, first of all. Um, but, you know, you saw the city council over in Pittsburgh. I know you gave credit to the sheriff's department for what they did. And now we have the city of Philadelphia also turning around and filing a lawsuit against the Commonwealth to try to escape the preemption law. Have you seen this? Yes, I've seen it. And, um, you know, we ran it by our legal counsel at GOA. They, they said it was the absolute nuttiest lawsuit they have ever seen in their lives. And they they're insane. Uh, you know, the city is a creation of the state. Not, you know, and, and they're part of the state and they're trying to sue the legislature for not doing something. It, it makes absolutely no sense. Well, isn't that how the legislative process is supposed to work? No. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. And, I, and there's a separation of powers here issue, too. I mean, it's like, I right. mean, the, the courts can't come in and tell the legislature to pass a law. Oh, right. Well, the, here's what, what comes down to is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. And this is something that we've seen with these lo- local governments like Philadelphia violating preemption, now trying to get rid of it altogether. And in the past, you know, they've just gone ahead and broken the law and said, oh, well, we don't care what the law says. We think we've got a good idea and we're the government. So we're allowed to break the law whenever we think it's okay to do so. Uh, at least at this time, they're bringing it into to court, even though it is a, a ridiculous theory. And I had a conversation with one of the uh, members of the General Assembly years ago when I had the lawsuit against the city of Harrisburg. We were talking about this principle in general. And mm-hmm. I said, if it's really such a bad thing that these local governments can't make their own gun laws – then why don't you re- try to repeal preemption? Instead of just breaking right. the law, why don't you try to repeal preemption? He said, oh, well, you know, we could never get the votes to do that. And I said, well, it doesn't give you some kind of a hint here. <laughs> Isn't that the way the, right. the process works, right? Elected officials, the people. You ever hear of that? <laughs> yes, and you're bringing up another very good point about this. And it was seen in just recently in Pittsburgh with the three illegal gun control ordinances that they um, that they passed, and then it was struck down by uh, Judge James in Pittsburgh. And and that is this. Uh, there's no consequences in the law for an elected official um, in, in a municipality or a county to, to if, they, if they violate um, firearms preemption, there's no, there's really nothing, uh, no penalty for them. And so uh, we want to build that. We need to strengthen the preemption law so that they're, you know, that there's at least at the minimum civilly liable for the damages and the legal fees that gun owners, law-abiding gun owners, have to 
put up to sue the city to get their rights back. And um, but the, the cities are not in the same situation because every town's Michael Bloomberg um, is offering pro bono help to any city in this country that wants to challenge a firearms preemption law. So essentially, the city wow. has unlimited resources. They do not have to even use, use any of the funds in the city and they get Bloomberg free Bloomberg help. And guess what? It's a financial war of attrition that these cities are waging against law-abiding gun owners everywhere. And so we need to level the playing field, and the legislature needs to step up the plate and actually pass something instead of letting it die on the floor. And that's what exactly what they're doing right now. HB 1066 and SB 531 were reported from committee in 2019, and here we are with four legislative days left in the session, and they're going to die on the counter. They've been on the table and off the table for a year. And um, and it's like, oh, the governor might veto it. And I'm like, well, look, I said, how many bills have you sent up to the governor for COVID related issues that he's vetoed? 12, 13 or mm. something like that. Mm. But, you know, gun owners, oh, no, not us. We're second class citizens. You know, we can't get anything pushed through the legislature. And I said, I'll be darned if, these, if this bill, like House Bill 1747 that I just mentioned that fixes this, fixes this LTCF problem. It's not going to die on the calendar if I could help it. You know, we've been pushing really, really, really hard to get it through its last step in the Senate. You know, and but I guarantee, Mike, if the legislature flips in this state and it becomes Democratic, they oh. will fast track every anti-gun bill that you can think of, just like Virginia. And they'll be shoving it down our throats and within a month or two. And you'll see, uh, you know, we'll be on deep. It'll be ridiculous. We'll yeah. be in New Jersey because that's a, essentially we'll be, what Virginia is right. turning into. They're turning into New Jersey. And the people in Pennsylvania, particularly central Pennsylvania, think, ah, New Jersey might as well be a different country. That doesn't apply over here. Well, you better think again. Wake up. It happened overnight in Virginia. And if we allow that to happen over here, you're going to be damn sorry the day after you wake up and it's too late. Dr. Val, what can our listeners do? Because there are a lot of new gun owners out there, as you mentioned, people who have who have realized the importance of our right to keep and bear arms in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What can they do to get involved to make sure that our rights aren't infringed upon and that our rights don't get taken from us by the government uh, today? What can they do today? Not the day after Election Day. What can they do now? Right now. That's key. Now you must get involved and you have to do something now. And, and the, the easiest thing that you can do, and it isn't going to cost you a penny, is you go to this website. Go to gunowners.org, just like it's spelled, G-U-N-O-W-N-E-R-S.org, gunowners.org. And you'll see a form, a contact form on that page. And all you have to do is put your name or put your uh, email address in and then your zip code. And you'll get national alerts and also state-level alerts for me, what's going on in Harrisburg and around the state. Go to That's our Gun Owners of America national website, and you'll be plugged in immediately. And you'll get uh, action alerts from us, and, and it's really simple. You click the button, it takes take action. You send messages to your legislators. And we're also sending messages out about uh, political endorsements right now and getting very involved in the elections. So um, <clears throat> you have to take an interest. You cannot... We should not allow this state, this Commonwealth, become to become like the other Commonwealths south of us that's in right. Virginia. And the only way that's going to happen is if gun owners get active and care, and they do it now. Well, Dr. Val, we really appreciate you joining us. You're always welcome on this program. Thank you for continuing to do what you do to fight for our rights. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on.
For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. Hey, Mike, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Why is Philadelphia suing the state of Pennsylvania? You know, that's a good question. I wanted to get into that a little bit further with him. I know it's not his lawsuit, but uh, Philly, Chris, I believe when you met me, I was in the middle of a lawsuit with the city of Harrisburg. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So basically, well, thank you. We did what we could. Yeah. Uh, Got a preliminary injunction early on in that lawsuit to get those illegal gun laws suspended. Basically, here's what it's all about. Under Pennsylvania law, no local government can regulate the ownership, possession, transportation, or transfer of firearms. Uh, that's what they call the preemption law that he kept speaking about. These local governments, they don't have the authority to do so. All the gun laws have to come from the state level. And the reason they do that is you've got over 2,000 local governments in Pennsylvania. And could you imagine if all 2,000 plus had their own set of gun laws? It would be impossible to follow the law. Uh, just picture the same thing with traffic laws, right? Imagine in one county, you know, we, we go on red and we stop at green and the other county, uh, you know, we do this otherwise in a different township, we do it this way. It would be impossible to know all those. You'd have a lot of accidental criminals is what I call them. People who go into the municipality or the, the county over, right? The local government surrounding them and and don't realize that they've got some different kind of gun law and end up becoming a criminal with no intention of harming anybody and no intention of even breaking the law. So we've got this statewide uniformity under Section 6120 of the Uniform Firearms Act, the preemption law. No local government can regulate the ownership, possession, transportation, or transfer of firearms. Now, traditionally, you've had a lot of local governments like Philadelphia and like Pittsburgh and like Harrisburg who just say, yeah, you know, we think that's stupid. We're just going to write our own ordinances anyway. And if you don't like it, then you can go ahead and sue us. We're going to break the law because we think it's a good idea. And that's that. So... You know, you have people who have tried to sue in the past, and the courts have always, always, always been very firm that these local governments, no matter what they say, you know, no matter how they try to justify these ordinances, they're illegal ordinances. It's not about the substance of the ordinances, not whether the ordinances they pass are a good idea or a bad idea. The fact of the matter is these Local governments don't have the authority to enact them or uphold them in the first place. That's what it's all about. Um, But a lot of times these local governments have said, go ahead and sue us. And the courts traditionally had made it very difficult to be able to sue because you'd have somebody come in and say, okay, well, you know, my home city has one of these ordinances and this ordinance is illegal. I want you to strike it down, court. And the court would say, well, Johnny, I know you've brought this lawsuit. I know you live in this city, but you haven't been harmed by this ordinance, meaning you haven't been cited or arrested 
And you haven't said anything in your complaint that alleges that you've broken this law, that you've broken the ordinance, because believe it or not, people really don't want to put in court documents that they have broken a law, (laughs) (laughs) expose themselves to, to prosecution and imprisonment or paying fines, things of that nature. And so they've kicked these cases out of court. And what happened with our case, there was a law like what Dr. Val's talking about. It was called Act 192. And under that law, if you had a membership organization with uh, someone in the Commonwealth who could own and possess firearms, then you could bring a lawsuit to challenge this type of illegal ordinance. And that's exactly what we did with U.S. Law Shield. Law Shield hired us to represent them. We brought this lawsuit. And the harm issue, the standing issue, has always been a problem, but this was statutorily conferred standing, meaning with this law, the legislature said, as long as you meet this criteria, you shall have standing. And the Pennsylvania Constitution doesn't have the case or controversy provision the way we have in the United States Constitution, so you could have access to the courts through statutorily conferred standing. And you'll have this in other contexts as well. They've got some laws like this regarding environmental type issues. So if anybody, any anti-gunner gets on you, you must not care about the environment either, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Tell them about that. But what, what we ended up doing is I found this case that had just come out months earlier. And basically it said to get a preliminary injunction, you've got to show irreparable harm. And I found this case that said if you've got the violation of a clear statutory mandate, then that constitutes irreparable harm per se, meaning you don't have to show that you were harmed in some kind of a way, that you were cited, arrested, or anything like that. You just got to show the clear violation by the government of a, a clear violation of a, a statutory mandate. And by making these laws, that was the violation of a clear statutory mandate. And we won our preliminary injunction as a result of that the court suspended the ordinances. Now, ultimately, what happened was The higher court struck down, not our lawsuit, but they struck down Act 192, meaning they struck the law that gave our organization standing in the first place. And the problem was not that the type of law wasn't allowed, but the way it was passed. So what happened was it violated what they call the single subject rule. They tacked on this law to a theft of secondary metals provision in the crimes code. And because it had multiple subjects that were not germane to one another, at least as the court saw, then it struck down Act 192. So the way I explain it to people is not that uh, we lost the fight, is that we were pulled out of the ring. We were in the ring, we were beating them and beating them badly. And the court said, you no longer have the right to be in the ring because we don't have this statutorily conferred standing any longer. Now, since then, the courts have given some favorable decisions with respect to standing, saying, you know, they don't necessarily have to cite you or arrest you in order for you to bring these types of cases. But it's an ongoing battle. Now Philadelphia is turning around and they're saying, okay, we want that law off the books. We want the preemption law off the books. We want to be able to make our own gun laws And we don't like this state law. So that's what we're seeing in Philadelphia. Now, Philly, Chris, you spent quite a bit of time in Philadelphia 
as a gun owner, <laughs> yes. Uh, what do you think of the the political climate in Philadelphia when it comes to gun ownership? You know, I think it's it's just really unfortunate, Mike. You know, when when you were talking to Dr. Val earlier, I almost chimed in. Um, you know, uh, to to kind of make a joke, but it, it's it's really not funny. But in, in Philadelphia, it's easier to get an illegal handgun than it is to get your permit to carry legally. You know, and that's the truth. Um, you know, there's a lot of illegal guns on the street, and uh, it, it's just sad to to see once again and to to hear these facts about the city. You know, holding um, down law-abiding citizens and gun owners uh, who have the right to to protect themselves, especially during a time when the the crime rate and the murder rate is is through the roof. You know, mm. um, and it is difficult. I've had friends go through the the process to get permits in the city and help them with them. Uh, you know, actually, Jose Morales, who we've had on the program, helped a good friend of mine one time go through that process and. It, it's it's unfortunate that it takes so long, and then they look at you like a criminal when you're going through it, and they seem to err on the side of taking your rights away rather than uh, help law-abiding citizens and gun owners uh, protect themselves during a time when, you know, that the police are not so available to do so and, and really have no obligation to protect you anyway. Yeah, so, why do you yeah. want a gun seems to always be the relevant right. question yeah, yeah, around yeah. there, right? Yeah. Well, well right. why do you why do you need a gun? Why do you <laughs> right. want a gun? Yeah. yeah. How about constitution? None of your damn business. How about that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's but uh, it's, it's it almost so they don't they don't recognize it as a constitutional right. But that's the problem is that it's so clearly a constitutional right. It's expressly a constitutional right, particularly in Pennsylvania. We got Article 1, Section 21, where there's no mention of the militia and our keeping and bear arms provision or anything like that. It's it's so clear that it applies to people defending themselves, defending their loved ones, and for this particular purpose, applying to the citizens. And yet they still seem to forget that somehow. They got selective forgetfulness, right? Right, right. Yeah, and could you imagine if we're if if somebody were treating other rights this way? I, I hate to go back to this, but anytime I hear anybody talk about this voting by mail issue and and call it voter suppression and people are trying to suppress their rights and you know this is a constitutional right, I say wait a second. <laughs> could you imagine if we we're having the same conversation about gun ownership? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. About suppressing people's rights to yeah, to, yeah. to keep and bear arms. Well, you're not allowing us to do this by by mail, so you're suppressing our God-given rights of law-abiding citizens. They'd look at you like you were nuts, no? Right, 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 right. Yeah, maybe you can make an appointment. You know, that's like a year out to get your your mail-in ballot or something. You know, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if you had to do that? Could you yeah, imagine sure. if they said yeah. that? They said, OK, well, you've signed up for your mail in ballot. Um, you can only do it by appointment and your right. appointment is in 2022. So you're not going to be able to vote in this election. <laughs> Could you picture what they would do? You know, at a certain point, it would get so far out. You can't even vote in the midterm elections. Right. right? right. Yeah. <laughs> you can vote in the make... next presidential election. You'll have your uh, just in time for four more years. But yeah. they're, they're very uh, selective with the rights that they, they care about and the rights that they want to f- fight for and the ones that matter to them aren't they Uh, absolutely unfortunately that's very true and we see it uh regularly here you know in in philadelphia and some other democratically controlled cities i guess you know i i sent this article out when i saw it hit last night or i guess it's two nights ago by now yeah 
Whole week's a blur for me, Philly Chris. <laughs> there is so much going on in the gun law world this week. I mean, between the lawsuit against Philadelphia, the lawsuit by Philadelphia, uh, you got the Supreme Court going on, you got the president, the vice presidential debate, you've right. got uh, the ammunition shortages, you've got the ATF determination on the honey badger. I mean, I could go, I could go on forever, baby. <laughs> who, who remembers that movie? Right? Over in Home Alone, he's watching. He's like, "You was here, and you was smooching with my brother." <laughs> <laughs> Cheeks, Bony Bob, Cliff. <laughs> yeah, it is a heck of a week. It's almost too much. I know it's absolutely ridiculous. But you know, I had a buddy of mine. I sent it over to him, and we were talking about this, and he asks, "Wonder if." PA will suggest to Philly that it concede from the state and try to figure out how to handle its budgetary woes without support from 66 other counties. <laughs> Excellent. So what I proposed to him as a response, I got, I got to pull this up because I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I said, perhaps we can arrange a trade with New Jersey. Philly for Sussex County straight up. <laughs> uh, I am partial to Sussex County, New Jersey, because I lived over there. And uh, Mrs. G, born and raised over in Sussex County. I've got two godchildren living over there, and it's really God's country out there. Unfortunately, they're stuck with the laws of the rest of New Jersey. It's, mm. it's Trump country out there. Um, a lot of wide open land, a lot of people supporting the Second Amendment very, very openly out there, but they're stuck in New Jersey. And so I propose perhaps we arrange a trade with New Jersey, Philly for Sussex County straight up. His response is, along with a mayor to be named later, they might go for it. <laughs> I thought that was good. I laughed out loud when he wrote mayor to be named later. I yeah. thought that was pretty good. Uh, but uh, no disrespect to any of our patriots over in Philadelphia. I, I considered... Uh, reaching out to Maj to see what he has to hear to say about all this going yeah. on. Maybe we'll get on next week. It's just been so ridiculously busy over here. A whole lot going on. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with the Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. Snowflake, Snowflakington here. I'm filling in for Mike G this segment, and I'm here with my pal, Sammy the Socialist. Sammy, you there? Yeah, hi. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy Saturday. Happy every day, ladies happy and gentlemen, in the world of a snowflake. You know, I heard Dr. Val Finell talking about these lawsuits, and I think it's wonderful that Philadelphia is standing up for itself and protecting the people from all these super scary guns, because that's the government's job, is to take guns away from the people. Now, we've got a caller calling in, I'm sure... I'm not going to really enjoy what he has to say, but it looks like it's our old friend. I'll call him a friend. Dr. Mr. Snakes Wilson. Dr. Snakes, are you there? Sir, I do not know how many times I need to tell you this, but you are not my friend. So please do not refer to me as Snakes or Dr. Snakes. My name to you is Dr. Wilson. Well, Dr. Snakes, you know, I really want to be your friend, and uh, it really hurts my feelings when people don't accept my friendship. You know, the funny thing is, I just don't much care about your feelings. I don't really care about anybody's feelings other than my own. As long as I'm happy, that's really all that matters. But my, my feelings are supposed and to be you know more what important makes than me anything. Happy? 
nope, nope, nope. You know what makes me happy? Guns. Lots of really big guns. And guns that shoot snakes. What is better in the world than guns that shoot snakes? I can't think of anything. That makes me happy. And if that makes you sad, well, actually, I get a little bit extra enjoyment out of that. Uh, do you mean that you, you, you're shooting the snakes with the guns, meaning you're killing the snakes? Or do you mean that you're shooting guns that, that, that a bunch of snakes pop out and it's really scary? <laughs> well, it depends. If they're good snakes and I like them, I can use them in my arsenal to defeat evil people. In which case, the firearm fires the snake like as a projectile, and then it just chews up whatever bad guy. Or if I don't like the snakes, if they look like maybe kind of liberal snakes, then I just use the guns and quickly put them out of their liberal misery. Oh, my goodness. You're, you're so scary. Now, I don't Dr. think snakes, he's a real doctor. I don't think he's a real doctor at all. In the snake I don't know how many times we've gone over this. You can check my credentials. The University of Mumbai, my Ph.D. in snakeology. Okay, well, I'm going to have to accept that because I, I, I think you need to believe people at the outset. But uh, Dr. Snakesy Wilson, um, Dr. Snakes, did you hear about this lawsuit in Philadelphia? As a matter of fact, I did. And, and what, what do you think about this lawsuit? I know you're a litigious man yourself. I am. I do love the court system, especially when they get us an extra conservative justice on that there Supreme Court. You liberals have been crying for years. But with regard to the lawsuit in Philadelphia, it's about time that some good red-blooded Americans step up and, well, essentially stop these liberal cities from infringing on our constitutional rights. Now, don't you think that the government should be able to tell us when and where that, that people could have guns? Because that's the only thing that's going to protect us, isn't it? Well, frankly, I don't think that the government should be able to tell us to do much of anything. What, where, when, how. My general view of things is the less involved the government is, the less they're just going to screw up and the better off we'll be. And directly to your point, as far as the government making us safe by regulating firearms, I think that you might have your history confused a little bit there, son. Uh, historically, when we see governments regulate firearms to an extreme manner, the, the end result generally isn't very good. And I don't really want to see that happen here in the United States, especially in the birthplace of freedom in Philadelphia. Shocking to me that you Philadelphians would allow this to happen. No, shows how not, far that city has declined. We're not allowing it to happen. We're begging for it to happen. We want the government to take you our guns. You would beg for it. I feel now, much safer without any guns. That's right. Yeah. Once they get the, the guns off the streets and they put in laws for safety and then you know, there will be no more crime. That's right. Right. I'm betting you are just wishing that the government would regulate my big cannon. <laughs> yeah, well, Dr. Snakes Wilson, I need to know if uh, the, these new laws that Philadelphia is trying to pass – would they effectively regulate snakes? Would they help prevent snake violence and get snakes off the streets? I don't believe so. And this was part of my whole plan. That way, when you liberals turn a great city like Philadelphia into a cesspool, which you're pretty well on your way, uh, when you use my types of, let's call them snake weapons, right, uh, good folks can still defend themselves against, you know, the scum of Philadelphia who would wish to do them harm. So there's going to be no snake laws whatsoever? They're going to be completely unrelated, unregulated? No. 
Uh, totally unregulated, as we discussed the last time, the NSA, the National Snake Association, the baby brother to the NRA that you guys always think is the boogeyman, has seen to it that the politicians, thankfully, as liberal as they are, they're always up for taking bribes. So no snake laws. We're safe. Can we create our own ordinances, uh, maybe hey. against the snakes? That's what we need to do. Uh, yeah. You, I'm going to write could, something out. Yeah, we're just not going to listen to you because, well, you pretty much screw up everything you touch. So we'll take a pass on that one. Well, that that seems to be the solution, Sammy, is that we'll just write an ordinance. Yeah. And then all the criminals will have no no way to use the snakes against uh, the innocent people. So as yeah. long as we write a law against it, it'll all go away. And you're in That's trouble, right. Mr. Snakes. You're in you're trouble, Mr. Trouble. Snakes. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to write right. a law. We're right and you're wrong. That's you the way it works. You keep telling yourselves that extra laws fix everything, but I think anybody with, you know, say like a quarter of a brain probably knows that ain't the way it works. But y'all just keep living in your dreamland. And well, well, if you had the intelligence that God gave geese, then you would understand that we need these snake laws, and that's why we need them in places because they'll stop the well, stop the violence. I got more intelligence than the average goose, uh, so uh, I don't know. That really didn't make no sense there, boy. But you know. Can't be surprised coming from you that didn't make any sense. All right. Well, Dr. Snakes, we appreciate you joining us. Um, it is always a pleasure, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I always hate it. You when know, I always, feel, I always feel kind of bad every time I get off the show because I feel like I really just beat y'all down and kind of mop the floor with you. Uh, it's really not a fair fight. Maybe you should invite, like, I don't know, like 30 or 40 of your best friends next time, and maybe like at, you know, 30 or 40 to 1, y'all might have a chance. If you were in the studio, I would scream in your face right now. Yeah. I'll bet you would. You know what, Dr. Snakes? I am through with you. You are nothing but a no good son. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. Only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. You know, we had a vice presidential debate earlier this week, and... To comment on that, we've got not only Philly, Chris, and Russ, but our good friend, Jenny from the block. Jenny, you with us? Yes, thanks for having me. Uh, as a strong woman, what do you think about uh, Kamala Harris' performance during that vice presidential debate? Well, according to the Democratic Party, women are the only ones who can comment on her facial expressions. Uh, <laughs> let's start there. <laughs> I, um, you know, I really did try to listen to substance and I understand Donald Trump, you know, he comes in there fiery and interrupts and does everything and makes faces. But if you really, I mean, I log on Twitter. The first thing I see is just, um, I see memes of the fly on Mike Pence's head and I see all making fun of the way Mike Pence looks. I see pictures of skeletons and all these crazy things. I'm just like, what? Like, they're not even talking anything about substance, okay? So that was just one thing I noticed. But on the other hand, was all about Kamala Harris's facial expressions. And, you know, I just really sum it up as her faces sum up the entire Democratic Party during the Donald J. Trump presidency. She just went in there with a face like, you don't even deserve to be at this debate and in my presence. And Mike Pence sat there and just complete opposite, you know, really took her seriously, listened to what she was saying. It was not even Donald Trump reacts when somebody says something against him or, you know, he'll react with a face. She just went in there the whole time 
just, you don't deserve this. Like we are the best and you don't deserve this. And that's all that shined through for me on her part. I didn't hear really very much of what she was saying. Which but it also it seemed like he wasn't allowed to say certain things because he's a man and she's a woman. So he got accused of mansplaining during the debate, didn't he? Oh, absolutely. Um, that word is absolutely horrible. First, of I all. can't stand I that word. That. I can't stand it. It drives me <laughs> nuts. Can we get rid nuts. of that word? Can we make an ordinary? But, but that's but, that's exact. I'm saying it because I'm essentially quoting people. This is what he got accused of. Right. I mean, even as a woman, I had to look it up because I just thought it was. It's an absolutely horrible made up term like everything else. But, um, you know, when it comes to the point where you can't even criticize the facial expressions, then, you know, you have a problem and you're literally just seeing people for their gender. It's absolutely absurd. We should be able to criticize her just as we can criticize Donald Trump, just as we can criticize Mike Pence. And it's really the debate has come across as, you know, Kamala Harris' facial expression is like the number one trending thing the whole not, the whole evening. But it was very oh, much. Oh, per, but apparently you're prejudiced if you say her name wrong. So you got to It's Kamala. Kamala. Okay. Kamala. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's getting to the point where you can't really talk about anything these days. Because you can't talk about anything. <laughs> it's landmines, right? Oh, behave. Uh, exactly. I'll tell you what, though. I, I think that Pence came across, across as strong, as calm, as measured, as very intelligent, and having a good handle on all of the issues. I, I thought it was a very good debate for him. I, I thought it was an absolute beating for a vast majority of the time. Philly, Chris, did you watch it? I, I saw most of it, and then I decided to go to sleep, I guess, because I got a little bored and, and wanted that time back. But yeah, I did see most of it. But yeah, I thought... I thought uh, I thought Pence did very, very well, actually, at coming back, uh, you know, at her with the facts and pointing out some discrepancies in, in what uh, her and, and Joe have been saying. So, But, but for whatever people don't like about uh, Trump's you know, brash qualities, and I've said this before, I sort of dismiss a lot of that as, ah, he's just a New York guy, kind of used to that, being raised in that environment, but for whoever complains about that, if that's your chief complaint about him, then uh, Pence has got to be your guy, no? Mm -hmm. because, because he's so uh, polished and calm and, and measured and the opposite of that sort of thing, isn't he? Yeah, I was impressed uh, listening to him because he uh, did stay very calm and he was very strategic in his approach to the way that he was dealing with her, I think, and it, and it you know ruffled her feathers a bit, if you will. Russ, did you watch the debate? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, because my thing is, at the end of the day, why do the vice presidents need to debate? Because, like, if I vote for Trump, Mike Pence is getting in anyway. If I vote for Biden, you know, and hell freezes over, then... <laughs> Kamala or Kamala or whatever you call it. I'll call her whatever I want, but I ain't calling her out to dinner. Um, <laughs> you know, what's her face? Oh, dear. She's going to get in if Biden wins. So why do they need to say anything? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's not like you can say, well, I want Trump to be the, the president, but I want Harris as the vice president or vice versa. <laughs> yeah, and It's not like, oh, I don't like Trump, so I'm going to vote for, for Biden. But, you know, Pence really won me over at that debate, so I'll vote for him, too. <laughs> that's a pretty good point, Russ. And, you know, years ago, they used to... Uh, they used to have a different system as far as presidents and, and vice presidents went. Um, 
be interesting. Could you imagine having a cross ticket like that or something like that where you've got a Republican president and a Democrat vice president, right? Or Biden loses, so he's got to be the vice president to Trump. How awful would that be? Or if Hillary had to be Trump's vice president? Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure that would be fun. I know. It would be a very productive few years, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, the thing about it, that's how they had to, to work together and get along. Uh, do you think that the values of the parties have just gone so far over the years, far apart, that that's why it's impossible to do that? Because there's no, con- there's really no compromise on a lot of these issues, right? Right. I mean, how how could you? If you're if you're pro gun, you're pro Second Amendment. How could you compromise to to what? these anti-gunners want or if you if you're pro-life and you believe in the rights of the unborn how do you compromise on that Mm. like you can only kill babies sometimes or (laughs) i don't understand Uh, so maybe that's that's what's going on is that these issues are just you're you're one way or you're the other and there's not a whole lot of room for compromising these things right but and those are the issues that a lot of people are passionate about too so you know i mean you've you have a career and you're an attorney in firearms rights, right? So you're voting on that, I'm sure, and some other issues are important to you, but it really is where the passion lies on the polar sides of the aisle. So for those people who are extreme, quote unquote, um, is there really changing anybody's minds on those things? I mean, not really. Well, we're, we're just so, so divided. I was actually uh, talking to a friend of mine just today who is engaged in a uh, reasonably calm, you know, conversation slash debate with uh, somebody on the liberal side of things. And they made a comment to him. They said, you know, I'm praying for Trump. And, and he said, oh, well, that's, you know, because he was uh, diagnosed with COVID. So he said, oh, well, that's nice. And he said, no, I'm praying for him to die. <laughs> oh, and I'm thinking, how do you pray for someone mm. to die? Like, it's just ridiculous. But it's, well, uh, it shows like how divided prayer. things are, right? These people well, and, are you know, sick think, and they're getting yeah. sicker. Right, and they right. want you to believe really those sick. kinds of people aren't out there. That these these leftists <laughs> are the compassionate ones. They're the ones with the hearts. And the people right. on the right, they're a bunch of miserable no human beings. Uh, it's nonsense. These are yeah. sick people we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's to the point where, I mean, somebody's got to get Jenny from the block off Twitter. I mean, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I, I'm into these Twitter fights all day long. Um, you know, obviously I have my job too, but, um, you know, I, part of my job is to look up a lot on politics and I'm, I log on and I, I started to think, uh, you know, maybe the conspiracy theory, I don't know if we can get Philly Kristen on this, but I started to think maybe people are fake because I said, people really cannot be saying the things that they are about president Trump. They cannot. Because they're posting memes right away on his tweet, dancing on his grave. Okay, right. I, you know. Oh no, no, no! That is not fake. These people dies. are out there. <laughs> these these yeah. are these, these people are out there. Make no mistake about it. And you know how I know because I've seen people accuse you of being a bot. Right? You support the president. You can't possibly be real. Uh, you must yeah, be some kind of a Russian bot. I've seen you get accused of that. <laughs> all, all of us have been accused of that. Those people are very real. Now, they might not comprise the majority of this country, and I've got people still telling me to this day that they're voting for Donald Trump in secrecy. We'll maybe talk a little bit more about that next week. I'm trying to get one of them to come on the program. Um, But you have people all over the place who are voting for Donald Trump. They don't want to admit it because 
they're afraid of the onslaught that they'll see in response from these few people who've got the loudest voices and they're the most aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yes, because the Republicans are scary, quote unquote, and conservatives are scary in um, liberal <laughs> theories and thoughts. However, we have actually seen evidence um, in the past few months, especially of liberals actually burning things down and actually throwing cocktails and beating different people. And yet we're the scary ones, right? The conservatives Antifa are scary. Is just an, you're wrong. That's just an idea. Yeah, that's just an idea. You're wrong. But even further, I actually I don't know if I should admit this because I'm Jenny from the block. I'm supposed to be tough. But I I do remember going to the polls um, the first year I voted for Donald Trump and I wanted to wear red because I was like, okay, I'll show a little pride. I actually was nervous wearing red there. I said, I don't really think I should. I don't think I should put it out there that I'm voting for Trump. I just I don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? And liberals are out there all, all over the place. I mean, on my on Instagram, I see all my liberal friends posting everything about the election. And, you know, everybody else is like tight lipped, like nobody wants to say anything because you're going to get I know one person admitted they're voting for Trump, a very uh, known business owner. She said she's getting death threats. OK. From the people that are supposed to love everybody and accept everybody, right? Except if you disagree with them, right? That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. You know, we've got some official business to address here. We, we brought up Randy on the program. Uh, we had the Mike G in the morning Rogue, <laughs> Mike G on the weekend, I guess you'd call it, right? The YouTube yeah, a video, Saturday night action. Check out our YouTube page, Mike G in the morning, Saturday night action. Randy last week said he was going to send us a bowl of mustard because we didn't talk about that Springfield case. We addressed it in a YouTube video. Uh, basically, uh, Pennsylvania Court of Appeals striking down the federal protection on gun manufacturers and sellers, opening the door for lawsuits against firearms manufacturers and sellers who really haven't done anything else illegal, just engaging in the lawful sales of firearms. If somebody misuses that firearm, they had a a tragic situation where you had uh, a teenager who broke every rule in the book, you know, pointed a gun at another individual, thought it was unloaded, uh, pulled the trigger and ultimately killed another teenager. Very, very sad story. Uh, obviously broke all of these rules, treat every gun as if it's loaded, always have your uh, muzzle pointed in the safe direction, don't point it at anything you're not intending to destroy, finger off the trigger until you're ready to try, uh, to fire. And this, the, the situation happened, and the parents of the deceased young man are, are suing Springfield. And if you know anything about Springfield, they've got all of these mechanisms, uh, one button on the back to show that the firearms and battery chamber indicator on the top, not to mention that you should never rely on those things. You, you double, triple, quadruple check and treat every gun as if it's loaded. Uh, but by striking down this law, ultimately declaring it unconstitutional, uh, this is a situation where Bernie Sanders even said that this will end manufacturing of firearms in this country. And in 2015 said he wasn't willing to do that for this reason. Now, you know, he kind of switched his stance <laughs> this time around. He made a terrible mistake, he says. But uh, this is a reality. It was struck down by the, the Court of Appeals. If, if people are allowed to sue these firearm sellers, manufacturers in Pennsylvania, even if they don't win, the flood of litigation 
every time somebody misuses a firearm could be devastating on the firearms industry. Now, Randy said he was sending us a ball of mustard because we didn't discuss it. But then we did discuss it over the weekend, made a special <laughs> YouTube video. So as a result, we sent him a jar of mustard. Uh, uh, there we go. <laughs> you guys saw that photograph? We sent Randy a jar of mustard. So... If you're going to get it on the much. action, we we might send you a jar of mustard. <laughs> <laughs> for all of our listeners out there, that's all the time we've got for today. Stick around for We the People, the Constitution Matters. Pastor David Whitney, Professor Philadelphia, I'll be joining as your legal analyst. Treat yourself to a bowl of mustard. We miss you, Ellie. Daddy loves you. <laughs> <laughs>